0: Hi there. I am Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Sina from Ohio. And this is Backlist and Chill Podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yes, thank you for being with us on this beautiful day.
0: All right, so Backlist and Chill, what do we do here?
1: Uh, Well, on this podcast, we uh, grown adults read books that we enjoyed as small children slash teenagers, mostly teenagers. We babs. And we talk about them like
0: grown adults. Yes, yes, this is true. And uh, while we're doing that, we drank.
1: Oh, yes, I
0: forgot the most important part. Yes, (laughs) the content warning. We drink a copious amount at times.
1: I made a triple batch today, (laughs) so I am prepared. Shit.
0: Uh, I I cut down my batch from last time because it was too much.
1: (laughs) That's fair. I do remember being a little woozy. I
0: could not feel... No, I could feel my arms. (laughs) It was just that they were both like floaty and heavy at the same time. (laughs) And I was like, I don't like this. I could feel
1: too much arm.
0: (laughs) There was too much arm and too much floating. So what are we talking about today, Ollie? Today... We're on season two, episode four of the Amelia Atwater Rhodes season. We're doing the original Den of Shadows series. However, the book we're doing today is called All Just Glass, and it is a direct sequel to book three, Shattered Mirror. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so we're, we're jumping 10 years in the author's backlist. So we were at 2001, and now we are 2011 in the author's catalog to read this direct sequel 10 years makes a lot of difference it does it it really does um and since we spoke about shattered mirror two weeks ago you and i i believe it feels much longer <laughs> it it only feels slightly longer than that for me it doesn't feel like shit i don't remember anything but it is much fresher in my mind than when i first read altus glass yes agree when did you read this book
1: Um, actually not that long ago.
0: Really? For the first time?
1: Yes. So, well, okay. So it feels not that long ago. It was in 2012, which was quite a while after I had fallen off the Amelia Atwater Road's wagon. Okay. So it was an interesting experience going back to characters that I loved when I was a little baby. Yeah. Uh, as an adult who was... Doing book blogging and trying to make sense of books in a different sort of way.
0: Yeah, and I I think it's a an interesting note that like these are books that you have read before with a critical eye,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is that's super kind of the point of this. Like we do this for fun and for ourselves, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like for sure we're we're analyzing the crap out of them. <laughs> Uh, so for me, when I opened this book to start reading it this week, I sent you a little picture. I literally have in my freaking hands nice. my <laughs> Borders Books and Music receipt that was still stuck in the front of the book. That's great. So you also have an exact date. Right? Because I definitely like got the book and within the course of the week decided to give it a read. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was still, you know, being supportive of the author since like we had a history, but so mine was August 15th, 2011. I got myself a nice hardcover first edition, which honestly is why I like to run out and get a book right away.
1: (laughs) You want the first edition? I want it. I actually do not own this book. I Mm. got it from the library the first time. I got it from the library this time.
0: Well, there is nothing wrong with supporting your local library. True story.
1: Anyway, so in honor of this book that we're reading, what are you drinking?
0: Okay, so last time I did a variation on the classic absinthe cocktail, The Broken Mirror. Mm -hmm. It was so delicious that... I figured I'm only going to get one chance to drink it again and have it be thematically Mm -hmm. appropriate. True, true. So I am drinking the same drink I had last time. I was calling it the Shattered Mirror in honor because I changed the recipe. The recipe calls for stuff I didn't have that's stupid expensive. So it is one part simple syrup, which I made myself. Nice. It is one part lime juice, and it is one part absinthe. And last time I did, like, almost a full shot glass of each. This time I did, like, a little more than half a shot glass of each. <laughs> so it's amazing. And I love it. And hopefully I won't be so very drunk. How about you? <laughs> um.
1: So I ended up finding one called Shattered Dreams, Ooh. which seemed appropriate thematically. It's supposed to be blueberry schnapps. We went to the liquor store, couldn't find any. Aww. So I am drinking blackberry, maybe schnapps? Burners. It's blackberry liquor, that's the important part. Yeah. Uh, it has some grenadine in it, it has some Sprite in it, and it has, as the main part, grape juice.
0: Well, that sounds good, and I like that uh, you said it's very purple, because on the cover, like, mm-hmm, the only mm-hmm. hint of color is purple.
1: Yeah, it is. So it's pretty good. I'm almost through my first glass, but don't worry, I've got two more. shh. <laughs>
0: Excellent.
1: So, speaking of that cover. Mm. Hey,
0: uh, you know what we didn't do?
1: We didn't talk about the last cover.
0: We did not talk about the last Which cover. Also, Garbo. Yeah. I know for a fact, like, you can find places that um, Amelia mentioned, like, just how much she hated that cover for Shadowlands. It's really America. bad. It's really bad.
1: It's got like two 12-year-old boys
0: with buzz cuts
1: on the front and then a bullet hole through some glass and none of that makes any sense.
0: Like, okay, I guess there's two people on it and they look the same, but like neither of them looks like, I think, I'm pretty sure the Ravina boys have like black hair. Long black hair. Long, lustrous black hair. Like, you could have just had one dude have a short fucking haircut because he's pretending to be a teenager and have one dude have long luxurious 18th century looking Dude, mm-hmm. hair and uh call it a day. Like, that right there could have upgraded that cover.
1: Yeah, it's not good. It looks like a book about gang violence or something.
0: Yeah, honestly. You know,
1: maybe like youth Nazis. Yeah, you know, it's just very. Great.
0: They're very stern looking. Like, there's yeah. a lot that could have been done with that cover.
1: It's such a bummer, too, because, like you said, like, there's a whole bunch of fun thematic elements that you could work with Heck yeah. in this book to make an interesting cover. And they just don't. No. Nah.
0: I mean, it would have been interesting to find a way to put, like, Sarah on the cover and have, like, one of the boys on either side of her. You know, like, a- anything like that. But speaking of... Now we get to this one. So, like, we love covers. We love cover artists. I love artists mm-hmm. getting paid. But from this being from the new Den of Shadows series... Most of those covers just looked like Random House had somebody there pop onto Deviant Art, and Deviant mm-hmm. great. There's amazing art on Deviant Art, but mm-hmm. literally just like hunted down something that was like, "Hey, good enough," and and asked for you know the rights to it. This is like two stock images of the same girl in different poses, neither of which really fit the characters they're supposed
1: to represent.
0: Not at all. Like, presumably, the girl in the, like, black lacy top on the left with an angry pose is Adiana, the older sister who is still a hunter, and the slouching, wearing some dress with, like, some sashes across the chest, with her hair half in her face and a little dribble of blood on the right, clearly that's meant to be Sarah, who was a hunter and is now a vampire, and then you've got this presumably Vita Blade in the middle. Oh, so god-awful. And then some random fucking crows in the background. It's just... Yeah. And it's
1: such a bummer. Because, again, you have a lot of things you can work with with this cover, but also yeah. just the whole, like, New Den series was plagued with really awful covers, and it's just like, oh, man.
0: Yeah, I'm sure someone spent a lot of time on this, but, like, compared to Forest or Demon, right? Like, where you've got Cliff Nielsen doing the Kieshara series that came right before mm-hmm. this. I feel like the covers themselves could have drawn in new readership in a strong fucking way. And instead, we get this, and, like, I just can't be happy with it. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. I'm ready to chat the blurb. Would you like to, or would you like me? Oh!
1: i'll do it i'll do You'll it do my it. turn my turn get out, Your out of the way shove Ooh. <laughs> all right sarah vita has given up i'm reading from the Goodreads. does this line up with what you've got i'll read along as as you go i'll tell you if it's okay different. i'll say because i do not again don't have a book to read um sarah vita has given up everything for love wrong wrong from a legendary family of vampire hunting witches sarah was raised to never trust a vampire to never let her guard down and to avoid avoid all tricky attachments of the heart but now Sarah is a vampire changed by the boy she thought she loved falsely. her her family has forsaken her and Sarah herself is disgusted by her appetite for blood that is true Hmm. Ada? shouldn't
0: it be Adia? wait it says Ada? it says Ada A-I-D-A no it should be Adia uh I also had but that's just the beginning (laughs) okay that's necessary. Uh, maybe you should take over because my
1: dog's woofing up the storm.
0: <laughs> oh, God, Heath. All right. Adia Vida is Sarah's older sister, the good, reliable sibling who always does her family proud. But when their mother insists that Sarah be found and killed, Adia is given the one assignment she might not be able to carry out. Worse, her mother invokes an ancient Vita law that essentially declares war between vampires and witches until Sarah is found. Many will fight, many will die, and the ensuing cycle of attack and revenge may wipe out the Vita line for all time. Taking place over 24 hours, all just Glass tells the story of a battle whose outcome may forever alter the relationship between witches and vampires, and between two sisters who must choose either love or duty. So, I would obviously edit this blurb. To get rid of the parts where it's lying about Sarah did this all for love.
1: Mm, Well, you gotta sell the book, man.
0: (sighs) Yeah. And uh, change around some of Adriana's section because, like, it's basically the same thing. My mom has told me to kill her by invoking this law. Like, this is Mm -hmm. not- these are not two things. Right. Also, another lie is many will die, many, you know, in the ensuing cycle of attack and revenge may wipe out the line for all time. Like, there's three of them left in the Vita line after mm-hmm. Sarah's turned into a vampire, so like, wiping them out for all time is not fucking hard.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, like, they may, they nobody does. Spoiler. Yeah, but, nobody does. <laughs> you know, it would be very easy to
0: accomplish, Ooh. but it does not happen. Right, like, the way that this blurb reads is that Sarah was a vampire hunting witch and she gave everything up for love. And now yeah. she's a vampire and she thought she loved him. Like, that sounds great. I-, I would love to read about a girl who gave up her whole fucking shit to go hang out and be a vampire with a dude who's like, Oh, mm, piss off, I'm watching the show now. <laughs> I- Which is my I'm watching line. the game get out of the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that sounds great for her to be like, "'Oh, I made a fucking mistake, like <laughs> this is great, but that's not what this story is, and it's not hmm. that like spoilers for me i I liked a lot of this story, so it's like, i'm I'm just mad that it's not that blurb. like I do want to also read that book <laughs> that the blurb has given me right, and I also want to read the book where war has been declared between vampires and witches, and all of the witches are hunting for Sarah until she's found to murder her. I want to see many fight, I want to see many die, and I want to see a cycle of attack and revenge that you know gets us to the point where there are only three of them left. So I
1: I think that the person who wrote this blurb was like somebody who had only read maybe the first four books of <laughs> *Din of Shadows, where you get the impression that there are a lot of witches that could yeah. be dragged into a vampire-hunting war.
0: That's right. not this book! You and I have read... Th- the first three, which is really kind of all you need to jump into this one, I do feel. Mm-hmm. Um, this one fits, in my opinion, pretty well as the fourth book of the series.
1: Ah, uh, I agree in content thematically. Thematically, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of maturation
0: that's yes. gone on in yes, ten years. Absolutely, ten years has been very good for the series. But like, like, there's nothing that I'm missing by not reading the like oh, four books not. in between the interim. No, yeah. Like, I get everything. It's, we're good. There's nothing new that is super surprising. And yeah, coming off of book three, you think there's a whole fucking dynasty of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's not. <laughs> no, Which
1: we can get into if we want to do a quick summary so that everybody knows what the fuck we're talking about.
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, that's probably... Go ahead, friend. Go ahead, friend.
1: So, uh, All This Last is the 24 hours directly after Sarah was changed into a vampire at the end of Shattered Mirror. It covers her mother declaring the right of kin, which means that every available witch vampire hunter has to go has and- to. They have to. They are compelled by witch honor or something. Honor! Um, at least you know who's enforcing these laws. But- yeah. They are compelled to go hunt for Sarah's murderers and also Sarah herself because she is no longer Sarah. She is something walking around in Sarah's skin, according to the witches.
0: Right. Any witch would, you know, be like, fuck, I'm a vampire. Death.
1: Yes, please murder me. So they feel that they are doing her a service by murdering her new vampire form. It literally just covers those 24 hours in which they hunt for Sarah and try to murder her. And then also covers Sarah's first 24 hours trying to figure out how to be a vampire. And yep. where she fits in with the vampires who have sort of taken her in. Yeah, And, uh, it you know, you get some revelations about the histories of the people involved. And there's some good thematic stuff. But plot wise, it is just hunt for Sarah, Sarah figuring out being a vampire, meet at the end and we figure everything out. Yeah, tie
0: it all up with a bow. Uh, To me, it leaves a lot of room open for a sequel. I think this could have been an interesting series on its own. That like Shattered Mirror, all just glass, a third one. Like, it doesn't need a third one. You're not sitting here going What the fuck? Sarah got turned into a vampire and now what what the fuck? But it still could be an interesting sequel. Like, there could be another book after this, and I wouldn't feel like, why are we doing this? Because there's only been 24 hours. Like, a a lot happens in 24 hours, sort of, but... Also you've got your whole rest of your fucking vampire life to go on. What kind of vampire are you really, Sarah? Do you have mm-hmm. relapses? You know, are there people who are pissed off because you're a vampire and you you fucking stabbed their favorite child or whatever? Like there's a oh, lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sarah definitely has an interesting road ahead of her. Yeah. Uh, I do think it it leaves them in a good enough place where you don't need a sequel. Correct. Where you kind of get the sense of where things are going after this. But, you know, there's always room to be like, mm-hmm. but before that, mm-hmm. there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened. But uh I think it's a decent enough like ending for them. Yeah. I do think that as much as we did not like Shattered Mirror, I thought that Sarah's ending there was also as strong as it could have been given the circumstances.
0: In Shattered Mirror?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this undermines that a little bit but
0: (laughs) Um, i've got some thoughts but yep
1: (laughs) (laughs) but no i think that for the most part this this is a a good sequel and an interesting return to the characters uh, from you know with a lot of time and distance between
0: us yeah 10 years is a long time
1: it's a long time to
0: not be 15 yeah you know absolutely (laughs) I mean, so, uh, for those of you who may have just be jumping in, uh, Amelia Atwater-Rhodes was 13 when she wrote her first book, 15 when it published. So, she's probably 25 when she wrote this, 27 when it came out. Like, God, that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. You had a lot of life right there. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah. the book itself, did you want to maybe discuss that 24 hour timeline first kind of get that out of the way. Just like wind up tick 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 boom tick 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 go.
0: Okay. All right. So dear dear three listeners. Hi. Hi to your listeners. We got three of you I'm pretty sure. I have problems with numbers and Because I have problems with numbers, I get super fucking zoned in on them. (laughs) And some people can ignore the... There's a timestamp at the beginning of each of the chapters letting us know what time it is. And people will talk in the course of the narrative about, you know, it's been X number of time or something. Like, such a time passed, or this place was only X number of minutes away. And so... Because there's numbers in my brain, I start automatically going, oh, okay, I gotta hold all of this in my head. I gotta make <laughs> sure I know where I am. And this book has helped me, honestly, this read helped me realize why I get caught on it. And it's because fucking numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the times. <laughs> the times, they don't work. The times, it doesn't add up. And, like, I took, I was taking fucking notes as I was reading this goddamn book. <laughs> book all right i took one i imagine you in in your room now with like a bunch of string and papers all up over the wall i'm that fucking image (laughs) the dude in the white shirt like timeline but like i did the timeline as well for their ages and shit too because i'm trying to figure out how old everyone is because at first you tell me they're this age and then other shit starts happening and i'm like wait what's going on Are you five years older than her? Are you seven years older? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) So I think it's ridiculous. that This took place in the course of 24 hours. I remember there was a comment at some point about, um, you know, there was a change for it to be 24 hours that initially it took place over several days. I don't know which editor said, hey, why don't we put a time crunch on it? That'll be more exciting. It might push, you know, people to buy it. No, fucking no. (laughs) No, I don't care that this took place over the course of 24 hours. In point of fact, my friends. The first, like, 150 pages or so take place between 6 a.m. and, like, 9 a.m. So that's three hours. And then we just fucking jump ahead to 4 p.m. through about 9 p.m.? Maybe 9.30, right? And then we just jump ahead for the epilogue to 6 a.m. Just to, you know, wrap it all up in a 24-hour time period. (laughs) But ultimately, this whole goddamn book only truly takes place in the course of eight active hours. Like, why? Why did we need to do that? There's no need to crunch those first three hours together where I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. There's no way that you drove home, got home, had this rights of kin thing happen, started figuring out your plan with your cousins, and then drove 15 minutes away to single earth. In the course of 25 minutes, (laughs) there's it's 15 minutes away. You can't tell me all of that only took 10 minutes. You definitely were driving for a whole chunk of time. And that's when it began for me. Right at the fucking beginning. There was one point where I'm like... You were not, oh, it was Single Earth. I'm like, you were not in Single Earth for one minute. You had to, you drew. You got out of the car. You walked into Single Earth. I was there. I saw this. You went inside. You went to the art room. You had your little fight with Nyssa and Heather, the blood bond. And then, you know, you dragged her out of there. And then one minute later, Karen is like, they took Heather and they attacked Nyssa. You gotta go, Sarah. I can't fucking watch you. Like, that doesn't take a minute. I hate this time, crunch. <laughs> you
1: prefaced at the beginning that yeah, you know, there's some people who don't notice or pay attention to time step. Hello, and I'm standing behind you. you, like waving arrow pointing over my head. Yes, that's me. Yeah. I don't notice those scenes. I ignore absolutely anything that prefaces a chapter. It is irrelevant.
0: There's no need for it. It is in fact irrelevant.
1: Uh, but even that being said, like I did notice all the stuff that you noticed uh, about chronological ages, et cetera, et cetera. I did notice that there is an instance where Jay is talking to another character. Is he? Okay. Well, Two I noticed instances. one where he's talking to another character and he he says, uh, well, the day that this happened, yep. uh, I don't think that Sarah could have done X. And it's like, "Uh, that was like three hours ago. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was literally this fucking morning. The day Sarah showed up uh, at our door, she was here to turn herself in. And then later, he says it again, like, towards the end when they're planning, like, the finale part, like, right Mm -hmm. before it, he says, that day, you know. Yes. And and again, it's like, this morning? Literally this fucking morning. And and you can see that, um, you know, unfortunately, the editor didn't catch this, and it's, Absolutely on the editor. <laughs> like, yeah. You should have been a little bit more fine tooth combed there.
1: Right. I mean, if you're making them restructure this so that it takes place in 24 hours, you, you better keep an eye on that fucking timeline, man.
0: Right? You, you better tell me that... Uh, here, uh, the last one was on page 216. The other day, and my comment was literally this morning. <laughs> um, but it happened twice. And so you can see where this all got shoehorned in.
1: Yeah, and like the first time that I read it, I didn't know that because I wasn't reading blurbs. I was just like, oh, it's another a million hour words book. I'm reading this. I had no idea it took place over 24 hours. It didn't have to. It didn't mean anything.
0: It did not. People needed to fucking heal. Sarah could have showed up one night and then like been doing other shit. Like It works
1: better if you decompress the timeline because then there's less time for like this entire empire to collapse.
0: Right? There's All of this happens in 24 hours. Mm -mm. that's a real
1: real quick revolution man
0: which is why i think that it could have a sequel very (laughs) easily because there's gotta be people out there who are like the fuck you say happened in 24
1: hours (laughs) i did not get that memo
0: who was blackmailing you (laughs) what do they got on you
1: Right, and well, considering that Shattered Mirror took place over the course of like what a week?
0: Yeah, I think when you and I figured it out, we were like maybe it was ten days or something, but it felt like a week.
1: Right, so like eleven days for the Vita Dynasty to just fucking crumble. Well, okay, it so didn't at, the take much. at the
0: beginning, at the beginning, Idiana was talking about how two weeks ago Sarah was complaining about moving to like a little little town, Acton, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Ten days ago, Adiana knew that uh, Christopher and Nyssa were friends with Sarah. They're vampires. Uh, Mm -hmm. Two days ago, Dominique bound Sarah's power. And one day ago, there was, like, that scene for her where she, like, found Sarah. She was hurt, and Christopher Mm -hmm. was like, get out, I'll do something. So, like, (laughs) sunset the night before... Oh, this book starts. This book starts at like six a.m. Was the last scene of Shattered Mirror, which doesn't match up with my timeline from the last one. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm gonna Whatever. trust the author to to have figured out her timeline better mm-hmm. than I could. <laughs>
1: That's still two weeks. That two is weeks for one. Not book. much.
0: Yeah. Where? Oh, and everyone's like, "Oh, you had a relationship," and like, I'm very glad Sarah several times pointed out we were friends, and like. We didn't even really go on a date. like One bad date. We went, date. Right? We went to a dance. We like barely even danced before my sister showed up and was like, end this. <laughs> <sighs> There's no need for the time crunch. It's no. ridiculous. It's distracting. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as a person trying to, to keep timelines going in their head, I was so pulled out of it every time it did not match up. There was one point towards the end, sorry, where, uh, so this book takes place near Boston and then also in Manhattan, New York Mm -hmm. City. And Adriana goes to a contact near Boston and I'm like, shit, I know that this book gets to New York City by the end of it. That I remember. I'm like, even on a good day, you're looking at, like, I'm reading this book at four in the goddamn morning. It would still take me three and a half hours to get there with, like, no fucking traffic from Boston. Mm -hmm. I googled it. And she goes at, like, four o'clock to this place in Boston, and stuff happens in between. And I'm like, even if you left now, you're not going to get there by by the time the, the book says you get there. And she says, oh, you know, and I did it in record time, and I'm like, yeah. you fucking They teleported. do a lot of hand-wavy stuff like that. We're like, oh,
1: right. record time. Made it through traffic real quick. Made it
0: through traffic. I'm like, you made it through the Great Wall of Connecticut? <laughs> how? how? What ridiculous Vita back roads do you have that you can take? Because I want to know about them. I just, mm, I just got so caught.
1: <laughs> I mean, it probably doesn't help that all of the places that this takes place, like you live. Like that's I where you live. It, right. Like I know it. it.
0: I know the area. And then like, oh, how close are you to Boston? And it's like, oh, I can get there pretty fast. And I'm like, you're in Acton. It would still take you some time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, New York. Can you find parking? How? <laughs> Like, this is why the timeline crunch isn't necessary. And like, she gets there by like eight o'clock after deciding to go there at like six o'clock or something. And I'm like, you don't get to New York in two hours from <laughs> Boston. <laughs> Fuck you. Excuse me. No. No. It was just it was so, so bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking about it, but just suffice to say there are so many times and anytime something happens i'm just fucking pissed off i hate that there's a goddamn time crunch <laughs> i hate that like oh the play goes up at eight and they're like great we'll be there by intermission and then they're there by the time the play fucking starts and i'm like fuck you all and then like oh fucking jack shows up 10 minutes later th- after Adriana, even though she made it in record time and then jay shows up shortly after and i'm like fuck all of you you did not <laughs> If I have to experience this
1: ridiculous traffic, you don't get to circumvent that.
0: Right, like, all of- this is about fucking vampires and witches. and My fucking suspension of disbelief is pulled away. <laughs> that you can make it to New York in two hours and find parking in from Boston <laughs> to Manhattan to fucking Broadway, okay? Like, <sighs> well, I've never been to any of those places,
1: so it wasn't a problem for me.
0: I know, there's just millions of people for whom this book would be a problem, but billions whom it would not. <laughs> oh, that's pretty Thanks funny for though. letting me rant. No, you're good, you're good. Uh, let's talk about the, the witch dynasty that wasn't.
1: Oh, yeah, no, so that's uh, one of the most interesting things about this book, right? Because, like, reading In the Force of the Night, Demon in My View, Shattered Mirror, you get this feeling like there's this big world out there, especially with the the witches. You get this feeling like, oh, you know, for for every vampire out there, there's like an equal and opposite number of witches. There's yeah. a bunch of, of Vita witches and smoke witches. And it, it actually and makes them feel like there are a lot more lines of witches than there are.
0: Yeah, there's only four of them left because the lights are gone because that was rachel rosica's family
1: right and the the tree stays don't count because they're not like witch witches so reading all just glass is a really interesting contrast to that and certainly being older reading it factors in you know written 10 years later where you kind of get a look into this organization of like highly trained professional vampire hunting witches and it's like "Mm,
0: there are four of them it's like these highly trained witches by one lady.
1: One lady, her two, uh, her nephew, and her two daughters. Yeah, there's like one other guy from one other line, and one other guy from one other line. So, it's a really interesting re Revealing, like tearing away the the cover, right?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like all of the vampires think there are so many people, and it's like you know, if you guys just like moved away from from New these England, four people, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you would just be dealing with humans who are hunting vampires, and like the guilds that we'll get into next book.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I did forget about the guilds, but yeah, no, it's it's very interesting to see that the behind the big screen, like the Wizard of Oz, is just like four people in a trailer,
0: like. <laughs> four People in a trench coat.
1: <laughs> yes, but it's it's very like I forgot how ramshackle this fucking operation is.
0: It, it really is. The fact that there's only one Arun Arun left, and it's like eh, most of his people have, uh, you know, not been born with the the magic. Uh, is that something that they say? Yes. Okay. I like wrote it down in big caps I, I and, like mean, last yeah, I trust one. You. <laughs> there are a lot of last witches. Yeah. So like Sarah and Adriana and their mother Dominique and then their cousin Zachary. They're the last of the Vita witches. Like his mom, his sister, and his little brother all fucking dead by the time he's five. Mm-hmm. Evan Marinich is the head of the Marinich line. He sends the only hunter they have, which is his son, Jay. Which suggests, like, you know, the way it said, it's like, oh, we only have one hunter this generation, and I'm thinking oh okay you know what else do you got but when you look at this operation of the fucking vitas being three of them left (laughs) you realize it's probably like well i've got a a one son who's a healer and one son who's a hunter so you can have the one son who's a hunter we're the end of it (laughs) like oh
1: no she said that the mariniches do the uh they're scholars and like researchers so
0: they're probably just a bunch of
1: book witches
0: Probably. But if there's five of them, I'd be surprised.
1: I don't know. I, I feel like that's one place where they don't specify last of the line. They're just like, oh, we only trained one hunter because we're, we're, we're nerds. We're book nerds. Uh, and sure. I feel like that's one place you could fill in the ranks, right? Just like with your mind. It would
0: be very nice if they had more. But still, it's probably like Evan's family and his brother's family. And that's it.
1: It is definitely interesting that you get this sense of like, oh, I'm Dominique Vita, I am the matriarch of the Vita clan and the leader of all witches. And you're like, Well, there are like twenty of you, so yeah.
0: you can have a family reunion at a fucking IHOP, so
1: <laughs> it's just those, those the magicians standing on the, the steps in front of the thing, like we demand to be taken seriously. Like that's that. That's the witches.
0: So there's maybe the Marinich line has a couple people. The Aruns only have one, who's actually a witch. The Smokes, right. So the Smokes could also have more people, but the way that like we only see Hasana and Karen smoke from Mm -hmm. Karen came in in Demon in My View and Shattered Mirror, it wouldn't fucking surprise me if there's like maybe one other cousin family. Like Mm -hmm. Hasana's got a sister and has some kids.
1: It so it must just be like the Tree stays right. Yeah. Those are the witches that everybody's afraid of.
0: Well, yeah, because if you're a vampire and like, witch blood is delicious, but this witch blood will fucking burn you inside. (laughs) And their blades are terrible because they feel like fucking blade sunlight.
1: Can the tree stays induct people who aren't like actual witches?
0: I have to assume so.
1: Otherwise, that pool is getting real low. (laughs) <laughs> but they are also immortal
0: so yeah they're weird they're like uh a... so the are the arun vampires are tainted by vampire blood so they've got a little bit of like i don't know extra sensory stuff she says that makes them physically stronger and faster okay and the tree stays are not vampires but they are immortal where the aruns are not immortal Right. And they know magic. So, like, they, they're, in my opinion, a closer to a vampire than a witch compared to the Aruns, who are closer to a witch than a vampire. hmm
1: I was just thinking, like, all the, you know, all the talk we've heard about, like, oh, no, watch out for the witches, vampire hunters. Like, that, that must just be the tree stays, because, again, there are only four of them.
0: Yeah. So there's there's very few of them left. And that is ridiculous because this family has supposedly been around for 30,000 years. Does it- okay. That's- yep. Wild. 30,000 years. Like, that just feels like fucking bullshit her mom made up. (laughs) Maybe this is. Maybe this is all just Dominique's bullshit. It's possible because the only other person who corroborates that the stuff is old- is, like, Sarah saying, oh my god, this law, it's been around since before any known vampires even existed. And then later Jerome is like, he's a vampire, you guys are following a rule that, like, a scared little girl said when she watched her mother get brutally murdered, like, the dawn of humanity or something Yeah. Like that. So Jerome, who probably heard all of this fucking Vita shit from Dominique's goddamn mouth. Spoiler also alert. True. Like, all of this could have just been Dominique and not necessarily just Dominique, like, but whatever she learned from her parents. This could all just be family fucking bullshit about like, oh yeah, we're totally related to, you know, like royalty eight hundred years ago. Speaking of, can we can we talk about these
1: prehistoric witches? And they're very, very European names. <laughs> Please. Yes, let's. Uh so what which ones do we know? We have the lights, we have the smokes, we have the Vitas we have the Mariniches and, and we have, have the Aruns. R- I would not be surprised if they went through some name changes. Yeah, but like the
0: collectively, they are the Mucked witches. Yes. So like maybe that's what they all were called initially.
1: But they do specify the rights of kin hadn't been called upon since the death of Smoke Matter thousands of years earlier. So thousands implies more than one, at least two. So if we're talking 2000 years before, when was this published? 2012, 2011? Yes. We're we're looking at 11 AD, which is like (laughs) Caligula times. English didn't exist. How do you have a character named Matter Smoke in 11 AD?
0: No, no. Smoke Matter.
1: Smoke Matter. I'm sorry. Is that a translation or is it just? This is just dumb.
0: <laughs> I just, I can't. This is why I constantly feel like all historical timelines on anything vampire related, anything, need to be shortened. Because everyone just kind of hand waves. Like, every author hand waves. They're like, I've been alive for 800 years. I'm like, mm, have you? You seem like you were <laughs> born in the 1920s. <laughs> I could give you the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> I can give I'll give you
1: the Civil War, but uh, I'm going to take back that discovering America. Y- yeah,
0: you were not on the fucking, oh, <laughs> you goddamn, like, I believe that you're a fucking colonizing piece of shit, but.
1: <laughs> I just have some trouble with all of these, like, white-ass witches and their white-ass names being, like, prehistoric. I'm just like, man,
0: come on. Right? Like, there's one point where Sarah comments about, oh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, or maybe Adiana. I can't remember. a blonde-haired, blue-eyed...
1: From, like, the dawn of time.
0: Exactly. She comments about, oh, it's much more common these days for blonde-haired, blue-eyes, and it's like, so you're saying you were fucking white, special white girls. That's gross. Exactly. Hunting down vampires. We're getting into, like,
1: Sita, the magical blonde Indian lady territory. Right? Uh, yeah, no, it's just, like... I mean I guess these are just things you don't think about when you're world building at 15 but man as a fucking 30 year old being like why are there blonde witches
0: <laughs> right like I'm closer in age to Dominique these days sorry <laughs> I'm like yo it's hard to read these books with a critical eye and not remember like how young the author was when mm-hmm. you know the, she was building the world Because you want to just, like, give a pass for, like, alright, you haven't learned shit. It's fine, I get it. I hadn't learned shit. But when you're just looking at it as a
1: book, it's like, ooh. Well, but then you also fundamentally build this world that's sort of built on erasure.
0: There's, like, no people of color in this book. Not, well... Well there's no one specifically said that they're a person they of color. they don't
1: specify no you can you can maybe guess that some of the dark-haired ones might be, but they don't specify and it doesn't matter because nothing supersedes their witchness
0: right I like there be if they are a person of color, they're a person of color second and that is problematic It's just a problem. Yeah yeah you know, they're, it's They're just... interacting with humans, they're interacting with race and how that affects them, and you know ethnic culture beyond you know just being a witch, <laughs> like we know that they marry humans, right.
1: It's just this thing when you're reading it, and then you're you're thinking like about prehistoric blonde ladies, and you're just like, man, I wanna have to think about white Jesus right now, like. <laughs> This is just... Just don't do it.
0: Killing all of the not-white vampires. At
1: least least they don't really do that in this one. We have moved past demon where that's that thing. But at least it's white-on-white violence here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, hmm, which is better to have... Oh, white people killing people of color or all white people and they're all terrible to each other.
1: I think most people usually fall on the side of erasure. <laughs> it's
0: like, if you're going to be bad, just
1: don't do it. Just, just don't do it. It's just gross kind of world building erasure that I'm just like, meh.
0: Yeah. And there's definitely ways I know you and I chatted briefly last night There's ways to headcanon Michael Mm -hmm. uh, Arun as potentially a person of color because we don't... Michael,
1: middle name Kitsune.
0: (laughs) Michael Kitsune. So, like, maybe he's Asian. Like, that feels like a weird stereotype to be like, my middle name is Kitsune, but my first name is fucking Michael. A weird stereotype
1: is ridiculous. Kitsune is not a Japanese name.
0: Uh, it's a magical, no, it's creature. a magical creature. Right, so it would be weird, but you could do it if you really felt like <laughs> it. But there are ways to not, the reasons not to do it beyond that it's like, oh, Lots oh, of reasons. My name is Michael we fucking dragon. <laughs> so the reason to just hope that he is just a white guy is that the Arudans are are volatile and angry and they're big and strong. And I'm like, it's great. If he is a person of color, to be like, here are the angry, tainted vampire yeah. hunters, and they're so mean, and he hits walls and breaks them, and I'm like, I really hope you're just white. I mean, you
1: know, you're trading in some different kinds of stereotypes depending on where the, the witches hail from, but either way, being the tainted clan is not a
0: great look. No, it's not. Please just stay a white boy. But even the, like, random people are- all of the random people are white people. Heather is white, who's a blood bond for 300 years. Like, Kaleo and Kendra are fucking Romans. Like, all of the random little NPCs we interact with once, either they're white or they're not mentioned to not be white. And since everyone who is mentioned is white, like-
1: I mean, like we we talked about with Demon, you can kind of count on uh, these books to specify when somebody is not white and yeah. nobody is specified it's not white here. So yeah.
0: And I know that I've mentioned like the, the Smokes could be people of color because like Hasana
1: does not. Yeah. It's a what you said, Middle Eastern name.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like their fake name at the time, her and Karen, their last name was Rashida, which is also Middle Eastern. And she had chestnut hair and demon in my view, but she had black hair here. So it's like, are we leaning into potentially the smokes or people of color?
1: Maybe. And listen, smoke is kind of the type of name that you would give a mystical Middle Eastern person if you are a 15 year old white person. So, I can kind of see that, but also, yeah, I don't know. It's it's rough. It's all
0: just a lot of probably not.
1: Yeah, and like, they're, you know, you don't want to make assumptions about some stuff, but what we do have here is some white prehistoric blonde ladies, and that shit yep. is whack.
0: Blue-eyed, blonde-haired, prehistoric, ancient Vitas who all have, quote, Vita blue eyes. Right. Anyway, <laughs> what else you got? Uh... I was irritated, even though later on it was ex- supposed some kind of explained that all of the killing in a thousand, or as you have said, thousands of years, and they never invoked the rights of kin before.
1: Yeah, I was surprised too, because I I had thought that I had sort of remembered rights of kin being more common.
0: I would assume it would have been with Christopher and Nicholas since it was like, oh yeah, every witch knows that he killed Elizabeth Vita and like, kill on sight if you can. But
1: then I realized I was probably mixing it up with um the thing that vampires do.
0: The, they the declare,
1: like, a claim. blood blood claim, yeah. Yeah,
0: which is, they're very similar.
1: The vampires, which is not as different as they like to pretend, which is also kind of cats.
0: They all got, like, the same basic power set, just like, do you drink blood or not?
1: Do you age? Do you die?
0: Yeah. And, uh... It it gets explained, you know, where Sarah goes, oh, shit, the reason it hasn't been claimed is because none of us had been turned into vampires. Like, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But you'd think that some fucking hothead matriarch would have been like, you killed the one person I fucking cared about. Bam, bitches, we're gonna do rights akin. I would have appreciated being like, oh, in the past people had tried to invoke it, but, because you got to witness it. Like, all the lines Mm got to be like, word yeah let's do it yeah so it could have been called before and i would have liked that to have been mentioned since we know that they all learn their history and their laws and etc
1: well it could even be like a thing where like there used to be a bunch of people who had to sign off but now there are so few and they're all so cowed by dominique that they'll just do it right
0: Uh, and then you you know you make it about dominique and her ego This was the first time the rights of kin had actually been invoked, you know, like, maybe Mm -hmm. in in thousands of years. Sure, but it just feels very strange that no one invoked the first fucking law. Also, that nobody comes to their aid. Like, it it starts... I thought that was interesting.
1: That was a nice touch.
0: It starts with Adiana, Zachary, Michael, and Jay on the hunt. And literally nobody else that Dominique turns to or that they turn to decides to join the hunt even though it says every available hunter in the Mocked Witches needs to be part of this and it makes me think either there are no other Mocked Witch hunters or some of them are like yeah, fuck you I mean that's why it's good
1: though, right? Because you've got like a lot of stuff coming into play here about like them following these old laws and and the like suspect like Jer- like you pointed out like Jerome says like this law that was written by like a child grieving her mother and like the idea that the Vitas have which sort of- does
0: take away some of the power of the first Vita, and I kind of disliked that but. Moving
1: on. I I liked it a lot because it, it brings into stark contrast the idea that these witches and like the themes of the book where they're trying to attain these, uh, impossible these, perfection. Yeah. That were set for them by people who themselves were grieving. And I, the idea. I feel like
0: I could have been more behind the idea of the first Vita grieving if he hadn't called her a little girl. Well, if I mean. It been like this you know someone who was grieving it just he felt very like hating on a child and a girl child and i didn't appreciate that
1: i see i took it like literally like the the person writing this was maybe literally like yeah like a 10 year old like you're following a 10 year old like a grieving 10 year old laws right like where the idea that they're pushing back against This thing that has made it so that there are only three Vitas and they're all emotional crumbling messes, even Dominique. And I thought that like this, the idea of no hunters coming to their aid, is just like, look what you've done. Like nobody with any sense is going to follow these laws.
0: I would have appreciated if it went harder because there is a good potential to mirror sarah's grief of her father with uh the first vita grieving her mother where the first vita gets to make these laws and like i just i can't imagine like say a 10 year old saying this is the law like who are you saying it to your little sister (laughs) well i'm listening to you and yet sarah has to like become who she is and not do anything with the stuff like it would have been interesting to have that conclusion on the page sort of thing to be like well one Vita gets to be emotional and make fucking laws about it but I can't I don't know if they're necessarily going for that sort of
1: mirroring but I definitely think it added to what was here just the idea that the the perfection that they've been holding themselves to by these fucking prehistoric laws is absurd. Like, nobody can or should do this, and that's, like, the point.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely. It is the point for sure that no one is perfect and they were never perfect. I still like the tone he takes.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We don't know enough about, like, the the ancient Vedas to know whether or not he's being, like, derogatory or if he's being literal. Uh, I just took it as a literal statement because I think that's more interesting.
0: It also, though, if that's what he says, it means that's what Dominique said. So...
1: And again, this could all just be a sham, a Scientology-esque sham perpetrated by these, like, Vita cults.
0: <laughs> so, the Vitas have only existed for, like, 500 years, but no vampire is gonna say otherwise, because most of them, <laughs> them don't remember. It could have been a Vita, I didn't ask them when right? I ordered them. <laughs> they weren't wearing name tags, okay? Right. Both good interpretations. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would have been, uh, not necessarily better, but just something fun, if part of the reveal had been that, like, this is, like, fucking Wicca that only started in the 1960s or something, (laughs) and, like based off of other stuff that is more ancient, but pretends to be more ancient than it is.
1: I remember the first time I read this, I thought that Dominique should have had a bigger skeleton in her closet than just being kind of a rebellious kid in her teens. Yeah. Uh, I don't really feel that way anymore because it's, again, thematically appropriate, so it's fine. Uh, Hmm. But it would have been funny if the thing in her closet had been... uh, This started in about 48.
0: <laughs> right so okay so we know for a fact and have known this since last book that Dominique is the one who started like typing up all of the handwritten notes and putting it all together she had the opportunity to raise a new generation to believe whatever the fuck she said and whatever she wanted to write down <laughs> like, right because nobody older than Dominique's like 40 years exists apparently yeah when she was, when a witch. She was Again, I can't remember because the time... Or I can't figure it out because the timelines on people's ages, but somewhere between the age of like 19 and 22, everyone older than her is dead. Yeah. Somehow. And many people who are younger than her in the Vita line are dead. So when she's 19 to 22 and the only person left is her, her little five-year-old nephew Zachary and her brand new baby daughter... Adiana, she can just be like, "Well, fuck it. This hasn't worked. However this is long true. we could just make this shit up, and it would have been great to be like, she did have this rebellious phase, and also made up a bunch of fucking laws and said that they were all ancient, and thought maybe this is the way to stop everyone from dying. Because I do feel bad for her. Like her whole family is dead. Yeah, we have a
1: a fun intro monologue about that.
0: You want to read that?
1: Uh, I do, because it's literally the first highlight that I made. Dominique says, uh, my lion has been savaged this generation. Rose was bled dry as part of a sick game after she walked into a trap, after her husband was stabbed with his own knife by a blood bond who claimed she was allied with single earth, and their daughter Jacqueline was slaughtered despite having tried to give up on our ways. Her son, Richard, who was only a child, was taken, and God only knows what happened to him, and never seen again. And then the father of my children was tortured to death on, and dropped on our front steps.
0: And again, she was, at this time, between 19 and 22 years old.
1: Yeah. So, like, no, I feel bad for Dominique that all of this happened, but also, man, that fucking info
0: drop was pretty rough. <laughs> it was quite the info drop. It's like, you, you are telling these people shit they know. Like... You're talking mostly about Zachary's own, in fact, family. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's... Rose is
0: his mom, Jacqueline's his older sister, Richard's his little brother. Yeah, Thanks it's for a... the trauma, auntie. It's a very stilted way to get this ball rolling.
1: But yeah, no, like, I feel bad for Dominique. Like, she's only 40. She's only... Which? Which? Uh, at the end of this book she makes adiana or adiana kind of blackmails her into making adiana the matriarch of the clan but also like
0: same age she probably was you can
1: do stuff after 40 yeah (laughs) you can be a matriarch after 40
0: dominique why don't you why don't you go on a vacation okay let's go to a tropical vacation
1: (laughs) go to the home dominique you're 40 now we don't need you
0: yeah like oh she won't be hunting much of anyone now and it's like because she's embarrassed but also like she's still a good fucking hunter
1: right i just feel like a lot of things uh in our culture value youth and i feel like this kind of plays into that where it's like there's nobody older than dominique's 40 dominique is portrayed not great through most of these things she gets some like sympathy in this book but also she ends up being retired to the home at the end of this book, and her 19-year-old daughter takes over, which thematically, yes, because Dominique's old guard ways are not what they need going forward, and they were toxic to everybody. But also, that just kind of sucks to remove, like, the oldest person on the board and be like, yeah, you're not relevant anymore, mom. Please take a step back. Right? I don't think it's an intentional thing, but it's, a like, kind of a an unfortunate byproduct. And yeah. again, it's YA, so, you know, this is centered on teenagers anyway, but... We need older characters who aren't shitty people.
0: Yeah, ones who go, huh, you know, and back in my day, we didn't uh, do that. Or, oh yeah, you know, kids, back in my day, I had my time where I, this is what happened. You know, I, I got involved with a vampire and then I had to kill someone who was really close to me because he followed me. And uh, I, I fucked up. And I don't want you to go through that again. Like, fucking communication.
1: Agreed. I mean, that is the point of this book is that the Vitas are all emotionally closed off and so terrified of disappointing each other that they don't communicate. And that if they communicated, save a lot of grief. Which I do love.
0: I love that all of the Vitas, all four of them, including Sarah, like, think that everybody else is perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like, oh my god, I'm a fucking fraud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was one of the things that I really liked about this book and I think that works uh, really well taking a look at this versus Shattered Mirror and that you kind of see with like the experience and probably the age of the author where I feel like this explores shades of gray much, much better than Shattered Mirror did.
0: I wish that Dominique got the same Shades of Grey treatment at the end. I mean, but... they didn't murder her. No. <laughs> oh, God. I would have been very pissed off. But, like, she was not given as much ability to have Shades of Grey on that. Mm-hmm. It was still just kind of, Dominique is evil and the worst, she kills vampires. Um, but all of the the main teenagers and 20-somethings were given so much room to be flawed people. It was yeah. It was very good.
1: Yeah, and I think that works a lot better at tackling the sort of oppressive perfectionism of Sarah's culture yeah. than Sarah dating a vampire and realizing that <laughs> not all vampires are vampire. bad, but also that that vampire's brother is a serial killer and that's okay because he loves his brother. Like... <laughs> Much, this, this is book just much, doubled much, much down on how much i hate
0: nicholas and christopher honestly <laughs> this is just, the
1: witch stuff on this is much better at that sort yeah. of thing than than shattered mirror and its sympathetic serial killers were
0: yeah i do purse so there were there were four point of views in this book mm-hmm. there were sarah and adiana and then two chapters from dominique and like four chapters from zachary There are 25 chapters and an epilogue, and the epilogue is from Zachary's point of view. So, like, six of those chapters are from Dominique and Zachary. And while I would have liked to have seen a way to not have had Dominique's point of view, because we ultimately did not need to have four. And while I do think there's a way to have done it without Zachary's point of view, Mm -hmm. one of his chapters was, like, the most interesting to me, where... I was just, like, making notes where I'm like, this is very good. (laughs) Um. Page 197 through page 202, where he has shown up to Olivia... The vampire he secretly sees sometimes, Mm -hmm. and like can just be a normal fucking person with, and like she's like, oh god, this again, and he's like there to try to kill her, but ultimately she's just like, yeah, you're gonna kill me. You're not really doing a good job of it. Why don't you just sit Mm -hmm. down? And he's like, (laughs) and it was just, it was very good. It was very interesting. I I can't remember seeing that kind of scene before Mm -hmm. in a story. Like, I I really liked it. And while, again, I would have, I would probably try to, if I was writing this, cut out the other point of views. It would be a goddamn shame to lose that scene um, and lose Zachary's stuff. Because, like, there was a moment where Adriana like, figures out that Zachary's not perfect and stuff. So, like, we do see from her perspective that, oh nobody's perfect. And we see that, you know, she realizes, oh, Dominique wasn't perfect either. So those chapters only expanded on things that Adiana did know and learn. See, I think that
1: having, because Zachary has a chapter fairly early into the book, and I think it might directly yeah, it's like follow. page 50. Yeah, it might directly follow a chapter where Adiana is like, oh, I don't want to disappoint Zachary. He's so perfect. But I think it definitely enhanced the feel of it to have the perspective from all of these different characters, as opposed to Adiana, where you could you could perhaps argue that she is just projecting or not perceiving perhaps, uh, yeah. you know things the way that she wants. I think it's more powerful. I think seeing this from a bunch of different perspectives and seeing how the characters feel about themselves as opposed to these other characters who they hold up as being perfect and then seeing that counterpoints, uh, even with Dominique. I think it works really well. I like all of the different perspectives. I'm I'm fine with it.
0: I can agree. I do, like, ultimately, I think it overall, it adds to it. It just always bothers me when there's, like, a random point of view. <laughs> like, I know in Shattered Mirror, it was randomly the, like, finale from Idiana's perspective when the whole book had been from Sarah's.
1: Yeah, I when it's like one chapter out of all of them, it bugs me too. But this one felt more like an ensemble thing, and you know, it worked thematically. Yeah. Zachary's so chapter like, sure.
0: Zachary had enough like chapters, like I say, like four chapters or so. But Dominique had two chapters, and like one of them was the last half of the finale, and that mm-hmm. was weird for me. <laughs> um, either remove them. Or give me, like, two more chapters from Zachary's point of view. There is so much fucking time in this 24 hours (laughs) that we are not doing anything. Give me what Zachary is doing here. Like, he's with Olivia. What are they doing? Are they fucking? Is she drinking from him? (laughs) Is he, like, playing fucking Scrabble? Like, (laughs) what is he doing suddenly in the middle of this goddamn hunt? Like, go for it. I understand, you know, you probably got, like, a page time limit, but Mm -hmm. give me more. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Karen still continues to be a really interesting character to me I would have liked to have seen more of her in the course of the this, this series
1: yeah I um, liked Karen a lot here with her like anger at this stupid witch shit
0: <laughs> yeah she, like, at first she was sitting there reading a romance novel and I'm like, uh, I know that that is, like, shorthand right here for, like, look at this vapid girl reading a romance novel when, you know, shit's going on. And it's like, I like that it was just Karen being like, I'm here to talk, you know, on Sarah's behalf. I'm not actually reading anything.
1: I it was Karen being like, I don't respect your proceedings. I'm going to sit here and read my novel.
0: I'm going to read Smut. Fuck you.
1: I mean so Karen is the secret revolutionary of this fucking series right? She really is. I love her
0: and I need more of her.
1: No I like her a lot. I was sort of ambivalent after Demon but I like her a lot after these last two books where she's just like all of these stupid ideas of yours are just making you more and more unhappy. You're making worse and worse decisions and also now you're fucking threatening to ruin my project.
0: Right Which is like I work at Single Earth. Fuck all of you.
1: I'm super into, uh, Karen as being, like, way more badass than any of the people we're told are badass. Like, Karen just does what she wants.
0: Yeah, she's very, like, quiet about it, because she knows that, like, if she does it too loudly, she gonna get in trouble. And she's like, I can't risk being in trouble, because then other people will not be protected by my power. She's so good. I love her so much. (laughs) Uh... There's a lot, this comes up repeatedly, but there are a lot of times where people talk about, between both the vampires and the Vitas, about blood. Oh, you have my blood. Oh, you're of my lineage. Like, there's a lot of really gross shit. Like, at one point... Zachary talks about how people are like, oh, when are you gonna, you know, have some kids, as mm-hmm. if he's, like, a fucking prize bull. Like, he says that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that he did say that because it's one of the few moments that you can kind of see, even though it's like, oh, blood is so important, family is so important, ooh, passing on our genes is so important, which is fucking gross. Mm-hmm. Um, To have at least any character call that out as being like, fuck you. That's weird. Um, But having, like, Kaleo being like, you have my blood, like, it's fucking gross. And there's a word for it that I've not been able to remember. But it it feels very like Kaleo being like, I'm in charge and you've got my blood and my blood is more important. And anyone who has my blood is more important. Which also then makes Kaleo fucking taunting his grandchild or Nicholas... Absolutely ridiculous! Like you're tormenting Christine for basically being like, eh, "I'm pissed at you. I don't like you." But he's of your fucking blood. So what do you do to people who's not of your blood? Okay, so the the
1: changes in um the relationships between all of these characters from Shattered Mirror to All Just Glass is real weird. Like, mm-hmm. so there's a part where Kaleo comes in while Nicholas and Christopher are gone, and Christine who sort of cameoed in the last book, uh, Mm -hmm. is somebody that Kaleo had been torturing.
0: Mentally torturing. He blood-bonded her. She's gonna live for a long-ass time because he's her fucking blood-bond. She
1: was broken before Nicholas fixed her and made her, like, sane again. Yeah, because that's how it works. That's how that works in this world. And he's very blasé about his effect on Christine or the fact that he was, until... Uh, about 12 hours ago, torturing her constantly.
0: <laughs> right? Like, yesterday, torturing her. Today, not so much. This is why, it's, like, the 24-hour thing is... Uh.
1: Right, and where you really feel the distance of, like, 10 years ago as, as both a reader and perhaps as a writer, where Sarah is, you know, supposed to be predisposed to sort of being protective over and, and kind of liking... And Sarah does do this thing where she's, like, protective of her. And she, like, steps in front of her when Kaleo comes in. But then they have a conversation where Kaleo's like, well, I'm not going to let anything happen to you because you're of my blood.
0: Yep, that's Um, exactly what I'm talking about.
1: And Sarah has this reaction where she's like, well, I don't know how I feel about it, but damn it, I think I might get to where I actually like this Kaleo guy. And I'm like, he was 12 hours ago torturing that human girl you're trying to teach to defend yourself. Why are we doing this?
0: Exactly. It's like he... He's not changing just because he's nice to you. Oh, that's fucking disgusting. Like, no, that is literally it because he's
1: protective of you, Sarah, and your continued living status. Sort of, yeah. then you're you're sort of changing your attitude towards him. Where she then says that she has to go in and spend like 20 minutes getting Christine to not like hyperventilate
0: because he triggered yeah. her fucking PTSD, right? Your fucking abuser showed up, and I'm like, well, I don't hate
1: him, I don't know. He's Maybe. nice to me. Yeah. Mm. But that's like the problem with Nicholas and Christopher and Kaleo in this book. Is to fulfill the role that they have in this story and to sort of view them the way that Sarah begins to view them, you mm. kind of have to divorce them from the heinous shit that they were all doing in Shattered Mirror, which was, again, 12 hours ago. Yep, it's
0: very hard to do that when it was very fresh. And like, that was the most recent book you and I read for the series, so we remember! i remember (laughs) it's a
1: real bummer because you could more easily get into this shades of gray thing if you had not recently read about nicholas and christopher vampire raping sarah and changing her against her will there's this scene where uh, sarah asks nicholas if he thought that the girl that just to refresh folks on nicholas became a vampire
0: because (laughs) i wrote that one down too
1: (laughs) yeah he murdered a girl who rejected his brother you know that thing that people get shot for now like this happens currently in our current timeline with alarming regularity so sarah asks him about it do you think that she deserved to die and Nicholas gives this long speech where he's like, she was a slutty
0: mcbitch bitch whore, but... <laughs> Thank you, because I literally wrote that down you. I was like, uh, I'm going to slut shame this girl first, but then I'm going to be like... Mm.
1: But she didn't deserve to die. And it's like, fuck you, Nicholas. I have the screen caps of the way that you talked about that girl yes. 12 hours ago, where yeah. you were talking about how she hurt your brother, therefore... It was fine for you to murder her. And now you're going to act like that wasn't the point of this character. It's absurd.
0: Later he uh, gives, I think, Zachary a pass. Or no, Michael. Where Michael shows up to the club that Nicholas takes Sarah to so that she can, you know, feed without killing somebody. And she's like, I'm really impressed that you didn't just murder him, you know, beyond even the rules. And he's like... No, he defended himself. And I'm like, fuck you, you fucking (laughs) bastard. Sarah, like, made Christopher sad. And, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, she fucking came to you and was going to torment you. But you, like, made it your fucking problem because she made Christopher sad and you're like oh but Michael whatever he was defending himself he stabbed Christopher with a fucking Christopher almost died a rune blade he almost fucking died like you had to give up a fucking ton of power and Sarah had to use her magic and he would have been fucking dead if she wasn't there and you're like whatever like fuck you you're fucking misogynist and I fucking hate your guts.
1: (laughs) That's the thing if you read Nicholas and Christopher in this book and divorce them or forget uh Shattered Mirror and the way they behave there it's easier to let it slide like Sarah does yeah but having just read Shattered Mirror and just being so hard on this fucking Ravenna hate train it's really difficult to come back to these guys being like oh well I'm pretty zen about this whole thing now (laughs) it's like
0: 12 (laughs) hours 12 hours ago (laughs) Uh, And, like, at some point, like, immediately after, like, this Kaleo stuff, like, Sarah's thinking about how, like, oh, well, Christopher hasn't killed in 50 years. And I'm like, girl, he killed you last night. He did, in fact, kill you. Against like, your will. Against your will. You didn't want that. He's like, well, let's at least give her a chance to decide if she wants to be a vampire. Like, she's gonna die anyway. Might as well make her a vampire and she can choose to be dead, okay? Because I love her. Your fucking love gets girls killed, Christopher. There's so many parallels. Last time, when you loved Christine and she rejected you, Nicholas killed her. This time, when you loved Sarah, loved Sarah, uh, she she rejected you because she's a fucking vampire hunter and didn't want to murder you. And your brother was like, I cannot abide, and got her killed. I hate them with an undying passion. <laughs>
1: I found Christopher's attempts to sort of lighten the mood very awkward, where he suggests the the finale of this book takes place at, like, a Broadway theater.
0: (laughs) I love Sarah, though. She's like, I am boiling with rage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Christopher is just like, hey, you want to go see a show? And she's like, we're in the middle of a war, man.
0: Right? She's like, what makes you think that this is remotely appropriate time for this? I don't know. I just thought maybe, like, date. And then Nicholas shows up and he's talking, and Sarah start like, so this is. I've got a theory on this whole thing, right? Okay. Like, so Nicholas then shows up, and, and so now there's the both of them there, and I think their powers combined make them Captain Planet, and are <laughs> able to push at Sarah to make her feel bad. And then she goes and she's like, peace offers to Christopher. She's like, what time would the show be? And I think. One, that the two of them are are manipulating her, whether they realize it or not. But, like, she always ends up calming her fucking anger, which is very justified anger, Mm -hmm. down because of the two of them and doesn't want to disappoint Christopher, which I think is maybe partially the PTSD of last night when, you know, Nicholas got her killed um, because Christopher was sad. Maybe she doesn't want to disappoint Christopher in front of Nicholas. But also, my theory, this story is the story of Sarah, maybe not becoming a monster, but is the story of the vampire hold taking over her. Like, there are mentions of like, ooh, and then it's just like, suddenly I was like a beast or the hunger took over, etc, etc. Like, maybe there is a vampire parasite that is connecting all of them that wants to live and doesn't want them to Like, their eyes turn black. That's very strange. and doesn't happen to anybody else. (laughs) Because we watch from the beginning where Sarah's like, I I don't know what to do. And then she sees, ooh, I could hurt Christine. And she goes to try to, like, turn herself over for, like, a a mercy killing, I guess, which is kind of gross. But to the end of it where she's like, oh, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And so I think that's just that, that this book is about her becoming a vampire in that way, that she now wants to live and that we're seeing it, but it's subtle and insidious. And while not necessarily <laughs> the point of the book, it's there and it, it exists. That's my theory.
1: They definitely, she definitely talks about how she fed from Christopher. Uh, that was her first meal and how channeling power from Nicholas. And therefore, is... for the
0: human later was her third meal
1: uh how they sort of made them open to her emotionally and she definitely does feel like she's definitely in text manipulated by their emotions like she she feels bad for christine when she wouldn't normally and that's because christopher feels bad for her she gets something from nicholas i don't remember what but like so she definitely gets manipulated by like the sort of lack of walls between the three of their emotions
0: yeah so like I'm pretty sure Nicholas has fed Christopher his blood when like uh Elizabeth Vita was killed, and who knows how many other times, right, because their powers are entwined, definitely not gay and, um...
1: our dicks are entwined. <laughs>
0: is my dick not next to your dick (laughs) it's like
1: one of those twisty pencil erasers
0: oh god they're ridiculous (laughs) so so, alright so Sarah has fed from Christopher Nicholas has fed from Sarah which was not consensual he just fucking grabs her and bites her Mm -hmm. and like fuck you now like you've made this girl mentally opened to you for the rest of eternity and your fucking name's on her
1: he specifically does it to, like, trigger something in her, too.
0: He wants to calm her... Oh, no, she had just drank from uh, Zachary Vita, and so she was magically high. Right, and right. And he needed her to calm down and save his brother. So he violates her consent, drinks her blood. So now her mind is open to him the same way Christopher's mind is open to her uh, for eternity. This doesn't fade. <laughs> and... I'm assuming Christopher... Nicholas is also fed from Christopher. But, like, basically the only one whose mind isn't open is Nicholas's to Sarah. But chances are pretty good that since Christopher has fed from Nicholas, she's getting any kind of feedback loop from Nicholas. Like, they're both just mentally... Not trying to manipulate her on purpose, but, like, the very nature of this connection violates boundaries, violates consent...
1: Well, and also, like I said, she did channel the energy from Nicholas, and I'm fairly certain that textually that opened some boundaries between them too,
0: yeah, not as strong as the the blood because like she's not literally picking up on his like thoughts he's not projecting, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, probably,
1: but yeah, they're basically just one person now, yeah,
0: it's really fucking terrifying every time it comes up where, like, Sarah will be autonomous and on her own, and then one of the fucking twins shows up, and suddenly she's like, I'm picking up on all this other stuff, and he's trying to shield his thoughts from me, but he's not doing a good job of it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because he's fucking connected. And I, I don't like it for her. Like, I don't like it. <laughs> it's terrible.
1: So that is one of the parts where uh, the end of Shattered Mirror was stronger for me because... T- you know, after everything that happened to Sarah, she does end the book by saying, I need to go. I need to be away from you. I need my space. she tries. This is, you know, this is only 24 hours. So there's, it's hard to judge the entire continuing relationship with these characters by their one day. But it is disappointing that it feels like Sarah spends a lot of this book adjusting to to the presence of these people she starts to think of even Kaleo as like her blood family yeah and it's really disappointing i like the themes in this book i would like to think that uh as opposed to your horrifying parasite theory I would like to think that the reason that Sarah becomes okay with being a vampire is because she sort of realizes that that is her version of being not perfect. I would like to think that Sarah realizes that I can exist this way and it's not an abomination the way that my family has told me my entire life. Yeah.
0: Like we can see that Sarah would protect people. Like It would be a good life choice for vampire Sarah To continue to be a vampire hunter Mm -hmm. and and hunt down shitbag vampires and put, you know, Kaleo on that list. Yeah, for sure. Like, that would be good for her to be the good guy, to be, be Blade. Right. I would hope that that was
1: the actual, like, intent of it. I am disappointed that she does not reject her rapist's.
0: Exactly, because they just continue to find ways to invalidate her. Like, she tries to go turn herself in, and the boys fight about it. And, like, Nicholas was the one who was like, no, she can't do this. Yeah. And Christopher's like, we have to respect her choices. But then he's the first one on the site being like, Sarah, no!
1: Well, but Nicholas also is the one who tells her, like, you can't do it because then the people that you leave behind would be sad, basically. And right, so He's like, like oh, we'd, oh, we'd have to right. offend you. Right? And then Sarah's just like, yeah, you know, you're right. You have a good point, Nicholas. I
0: right was then. wrong. Okay, Nicholas, you're right. And it's like, he says at some point about how, you know, do what you want to do. You know, go somewhere where Christopher won't find the body. I can clean you. I, I did it before with our dad, so whatever. He's like, Christopher will forgive you. I won't. And it's like, you're you're telling her, you're blackmailing her emotionally and saying that, like, you would hunt down the people you feel are responsible if Sarah kills herself as a vampire. Who? If she kills herself, like if she does it herself, you know, doesn't have her, her kin do it for her, are you still going to go hunt down all the fucking <laughs> witches, Nicholas, you fucking hothead? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Alright. Um I ran into a lot of still like that that samey, formal, stilted voice for everybody.
1: Uh yeah, Jay was particularly bad. He's exactly the
0: one I wrote down.
1: (laughs) Jay was real bad. And I'm like, man, you are living in the year twenty eleven, buddy.
0: Yep. Um there was a lot of hate on Jay that I didn't understand treating him like he was like some weird anomaly and it's like Jay's gotta be like 20 or something and clearly they like Zachary's known him his whole life and he's like using really ableist terms and about him and shit and it's like just back the fuck off okay like
1: yeah that's one of the them living in the uh, safe house the four of them together where they're all like oh Jay makes me uncomfortable Michael makes me uncomfortable where it did feel like again four cats in a box just not
0: able to not able to get along i'm gonna sit at the top of this tower (laughs) i'm in charge
1: i'm going to stare at you so that you can't sleep
0: (laughs) (laughs) um oh god when christopher is like i love you sarah and kisses her and it just felt really out of place and like a really poor time uh i just wanted to be like read the room dude like yeah
1: It was very strange for Christopher to continue to insist that he loved her when the point of Christopher and Sarah was that they
0: did not love each other. It comes up at least three times in the course of this before they finally, finally just kind of, like, have a hug and can be friends and stuff. But it's at the cost of her being like, I don't need a boyfriend, but I could really use some family. And it's like... Oh, yeah, this guy raped you, though. Yeah. Like... He has zero boundaries with you. He does not uh, allow you to have your own autonomy or agency, and he doesn't give a shit about your consent. That's not family. I mean, maybe it is for some people, but they got to walk away from that.
1: Yeah, I. you really can't... You like, Having Sarah embrace, like, Kaleo and Kedra and Nicholas and Christopher as her family...
0: Is, God, Kaleo was torturing Christine 12 hours Mm -hmm. ago, man. Mm -hmm. Come on. And that's where I think it's just the vampire thing taking over. (laughs) Because it makes no sense otherwise. Parasites. Parasites. Oh, uh, when Sarah uh, is there with Christine and she's like, I don't want to feed on her. It's like, good, I'm glad you don't want to fucking rape her because that's pretty much what vampire feeding is to all of these fucking people. Like, it's just a goddamn rape metaphor where later on she's like oh wait I don't have to kill people it's like yeah Sarah you don't have to rape people
1: (laughs) there was some weird world rule stuff that she gets into with Nicholas that I thought was a little much Uh, they talk about the first time that Sarah feeds she does it willingly and she says it's not hard for her to stop at all because she didn't want to kill this dude because uh, he was special. This
0: perfect thing, where was it? I, I wrote it down. But yeah, where she's like, I couldn't imagine ruining this or harming this perfect instrument. And like, yeah.
1: Um, where Nicholas says that, she asks Nicholas why it's so hard for him to not kill. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas says that he thinks that it is because the first time that he fed as a vampire, he killed. Right. And that that makes it harder for him to not, not to. kill people. That just seems like it's just another like weird magic law that's just making it okay for Nicholas to murder people.
0: Right. Now, granted, it could just be Nicholas being like, I think it's this, but really, I just have no self-control. Nicholas's rationalization, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but her first feed was Christopher. Her first live feed was zachary which was still against his will her true. third feed was on a willing human
1: mm-hmm. um so they this book goes a lot into the dynamics of people who are fed on by vampires and people who try to be fed on by vampires and there are different tiers of people and some of that some
0: of them are pathetic
1: yeah some of that felt felt real squicky to me so like you get into this dynamic where the the closest analog to these these people who uh, seek out the vampires to feed on them are are, are drug addicts, and drug
0: addicts are suicidal basically.
1: Yeah, and there's a What's lot. The there's a lot of like, oh well, this kind of drug addict is shitty and pathetic and non-human but this kind of drug addict is like or like the dude who just sort of does it casually that sarah feeds on like yeah. oh well he's got so much going on in his life he has a strong sense of self like it yeah. would be a shame to harm this perfect instrument where
0: which uh, is still dehumanizing and
1: where uh what is his name zachary goes to his vampire girlfriend's house and, and there's like some other dude i forget his name there's a guy there that she feeds on and he is he is a vampire junkie and zachary is like oh i don't even want to talk to that guy he's he's gross
0: and he's gross he lets vampires feed on him constantly he doesn't have anything going for him and they kind of aimed like that dominique was that kind of way when she was younger it's 1.2 and it's like y'all are fucking assholes like clearly people are going through shit yeah it's just a sort of weird Like, they
1: they take steps to try to humanize, especially for Sarah, the people that are okay with vampires feeding on them. But Mm -hmm. then, even then, there's still, like, a tier of vampire junkie where it's just, like, they're just looking to die. They're pretty, like, pathetic.
0: I mean, they pretty much asked for it.
1: Yeah, oh god, there was some line like that in the book where it was like, oh yeah, she, she made herself available for it or something. It was pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of language that just ugh. there's a lot of like toxic male bullshit in this. There's a lot of mental health ableism regarding the blood bonds who are like just desperately seeking release and or comfort or not to exist and like I get that not everybody is or can be caring, I don't know, give a shit about others' mental health or their struggles and whatnot but like Mm -hmm. these these vampires definitely pick and choose who they decide to give a shit about and what they decide is somebody living their life or not like if somebody is so fucked up you gotta get them fucking help you don't just be like well they asked for it well they wanted death like (laughs) they are all still playing god around here
1: oh nicholas she talks to Nicholas about that, and he's like, well, you know, some of them I sent to, not a therapist, but, like, some of them I got in my life. Some of them I helped, but, you know, I only killed the ones who really wanted it. It's like, all right, Nicholas, no. Like, we get it, I decide that?
0: We get it. Good
1: we get it. It's okay for you to be a love interest, because you only killed the people who wanted it. We get it.
0: Right. Like, oh, okay. Mm-mm. You fucking D-bag.
1: Can we talk about how we were cheated of an Mm -hmm. amazing scene? With Kendra? Yes. Yes. So devastated.
0: I wanted that shopping montage. I was so mad. I feel like (laughs) every time something that could, because I wanted to see Kendra. Instead, the first time we see Kendra, it's just like, they're all walking into the, the play. And, you know, obviously Nicholas and Christopher know her and Sarah has already had her fucking scene with her. And like, She's the head of a fucking line! <laughs> I wanna to talk to her. She so Sarah talks about how she like casually
1: talks about world events and world wars and world occurrences.
0: Sarah says they shop for two hours, by the way, but when I mathed it out, maybe I could give it twenty minutes. So <laughs> I'm sitting here before she said I went shopping for two hours, I'm like, damn girl, you're just dropping like the Roman Empire and the Civil War and the Fall of Midnight and World War Two and that Nero didn't play the fiddle. In twenty minutes are you just like (laughs) i want to know i want to see that
1: character the idea of her pretty womaning sarah is just so devastating to me that we could not interact with kendra on a first person basis instead
0: we had to have this kind of like so uh that was a thing that just happened and i'm gonna gonna tell tell you about about it it." secondhand rather than getting to experience it fully which is a thing that happens a lot in in these books Mm -hmm. uh where it's like, a scene will be coming up and you're like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And then it didn't. Like, I remember Demon in My View, there was like, Aubrey had to go to Karen's house and he just kind of was like, it took a, a thing, but like, we just, he's like, I have to go there. And then we cut back to Karen is there and helping Jessica. And it's like, you fucking kidding me? I didn't get to see Aubrey <laughs> whoop into the smokehouse and have Asana like fucking beat him off with a <laughs> beat him off with a broom, beat him away with a broom, and him being like, "No, Karen, wait, Jessica, jump! <laughs> I need your ow, ow, ow! I need your help! Like, <laughs> give me that!" <laughs>
1: right, there's so much good stuff, but that Kendra one stuck out because they build up to
0: it and then they skip over it. Yeah. I'm like, no! It's like if you had skipped the fricking first time she. Bed or something. Like, mm-hmm. this is important. This is the first time she meets an ancient vampire and the head of her line that she doesn't want to be in. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it secondhand. I get telling, not showing. Oh, I'm mad.
1: Right. You know, that scene has to exist somewhere. They
0: definitely cut it. I really hope, so. it, and I'm I hope so it just sad. got cut.
1: I'm so sad. I wanted it so
0: badly. <sighs> I'm so glad you did too
1: because I'm <laughs> so sad. I'm like, wow oh. oh, No, that could have been great. <laughs> Well, and I liked the brief moments that we had of Sarah being like, holy shit, I'm a Toreador and I know nothing about art. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I was just like, what's this fucking play? I've never been to a play. I don't read books. I don't listen to music. uh, What's music? Right? Right? You fucking embraced, like, someone who would have been a better brouhaha.
1: Yeah. So it's just this... There are some great moments where you kind of get to feel Sarah more as a character uh aside from like the thematic stuff she's going on where like I wanted more of that I wanted mm-hmm. more of Sarah, Sarah panicking not knowing what the fuck a play was
0: like <laughs> right She's like well I have literally never been to a musical so I don't know <laughs> Dominique did not approve of the nihilism of play so <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't care. What's Wicked? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, they name drop Wicked. That was... Yeah, and like did the same pl- like finale plot of let's just pretend you're dead. Let's da- fulfill the letter of it. <laughs> oh, I hate that Olivia's like his fucking mom-girlfriend.
1: Oh yeah, don't worry. I'll cook some soup for you. I'll make you tea. I'll snuggle
0: you. Like, I like her because I feel like a lot of it's just like, it seemed like bullshit but at the same time it wasn't like I thought she was just doing it to use him as a vampire, but I guess I don't. I don't really deal with a lot of vampires who aren't just, you know, vampires. <laughs> yeah, but, but I did still like her. But I, ugh, it was just really gross to have like him run there and her be like, I make you tea, I make you food. You stay here. I appreciate, like, I would like to think that that relationship was
1: sincere because I think that that was necessary for Zachary.
0: Yeah, it it was. But, uh, it made the scene later when she was like, oh God, this again? Are you here to kill me? Really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the whole, the whole thing with, I mean, I know it is part and parcel with vampire books, but the whole thing where like, oh, you're my girlfriend and I fuck you, but I might be here to kill you this time. Like all of that stuff is just so, it's gross. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I found it strange that we did the epilogue in Zachary's point of view instead of Sarah's since the two books were so about her. Like, it felt more ensemble-y at the end there, Mm -hmm. but it still was very distinctly Zachary's point of view and, like, the reveal of, so how you doing, Sarah? That was so awkward. Yeah. I did not like the epilogue because it felt very... Well, we gotta wrap this up. And while it wasn't quick, it just was very stilted.
1: I agree. The, the reason that the epilogue wasn't from Sarah's point of view is because they are trying to keep the reveal of Sarah being alive and Adiana's gambit as a secret. But you know that when Christopher and Nicholas don't kill Adiana, yeah. that Sarah is alive. So you don't need to to so, hold that reveal
0: to the very end. Exactly, exactly. Like, why not just switch over to Sarah's point of view where she wakes up and it's like... <gasps> What is going on? Why am I still here? Like again we we have the finale and Sarah's not awake for it. Right? Oh my god, I didn't realize Because last time Adiana had been the one who was there when Christopher was making decisions for her about wow. whether or not she was a vampire. Just give me that. Just give me her waking up and her being told about all of the stuff and then give me an epilogue from Zachary's point of view, you know? That's fine.
1: It also felt like unnecessarily cute. Cause like the whole thing is that she meets Sarah and she hugs her and uh, slides a knife between her ribs and stabs Mm -hmm. her in the heart. And then she goes to Dominique and she's like, All right, Dominique, I have fulfilled the promise that I made to you. Now make me matriarch because we know about your bullshit. But, like, if she was going to just blackmail Dominique into making her matriarch anyway... Why
0: not just blackmail her in the first place? Right? Why
1: do you need to fulfill that Vita vow when the whole point of the book is that Vita vows are bullshit? Like, it's too much when... The plot did not hinge on her fulfilling that vow. It hinged on her blackmailing Dominique out of power.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So ultimately, would you recommend this book? Oh, that's rough. So I like
1: this book by itself. I like the themes. I, I think it has pretty strong themes in, in a way that we haven't really seen in a couple of books. Um, Or at least we might have seen them in Shattered Mirror, but they were, I mean rape vampires. We did not we did not want to be in those things. I wasn't <laughs> up with those themes. I like the themes yeah. here. I think I thought it was pretty good. I thought it definitely improved uh as like a jump ten years in the future. I thought this, there were some improvement in skills in a way that I was not expecting because all of the books felt very samey to me as they progressed. So it was really interesting doing this contrast in like something that was written in 2001 versus something that was written in 2011. Like, yeah, there's definite Mm. like improvement in characterization and stuff in here.
0: Yeah, there's there's really good internal characterization, and I would like to see better dialogue characterization.
1: Agreed. I still do feel like the characters all ended up feeling a little
0: samey. <laughs> I mean, ultimately everybody is, because nobody's perfect, and they're all right, hiding. Right, that's everybody's problem. All of
1: them are not perfect.
0: <laughs> but in interesting ways.
1: Right, and there there just wasn't like a, a unique voice between all of them for me. But I don't know, it's so rough because it's a direct sequel to Shattered Mirror and that book is trash. And this book sort of expects you to make allowances for things that characters did in Shattered Mirror that were really terrible. So I I like this one on its own. I think if you can read this one by itself, if you can, if that's possible, then I would recommend it. But as a sequel to Shattered Mirror, I would not.
0: Yeah, I, I can't recommend anyone read Shattered Mirror. I would be intrigued to pass this one to someone, mm-hmm. see what they thought about it, and then be like, okay, now that you know like where it goes, you can check out Shattered Mirror if you want to. It's this. The, not the prequel, it's the first one. <laughs> but just in a bubble. I liked it. It mm-hmm. was good. It asks me to like Christopher and Nicholas, and I don't. They're still trash <laughs> here. But I like the witches more than I remember liking mm-hmm. them. Uh, if someone is already reading Amelia Water Road's books and they haven't read this one, they should. Oh, yeah, for sure. They definitely should. It's it's very good. All right. So next episode, what are we going to be chatting about? Oh, next
1: episode, we do the fourth and final book in the original Den
0: of Shadows series, mm-hmm. Midnight Predator. That one is uh, going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. right, thank you for listening. You can find us over on Twitter at Backlist Podcast. I am at Olivia Hennis, H-E-N-N-I-S. I I am Endless underscore Run at Twitter. And
1: you can also find us at the Backlist and Chill Patreon, patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill.
0: Bye! Bye!